If we want the best possibilities for our lives here and now, and more importantly, in the eternal future, we need to take our lead, our direction from the Lord. We need to put all our faith and trust in Him. He needs to be in first place in our lives. We need to obey Him. In the end, when people disobey the Lord, they are not damaging God, they're only damaging themselves. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the consequences with disobeying the Lord. Disobeying God can and will have dire consequences, and not just here and now, but more importantly in eternity. Sin is a real problem, and the only way to deal with sin is by obeying the Lord. God's counsel is for our present and eternal benefit. Eternal life can only be found through obedience. Man's disobedience at the beginning corrupted and devastated this world, and it will surely continue to do so in a person unless they decide wholeheartedly to obey the Lord. Today's message is inspired on 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 to 23. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, O God. Your kingdom, Lord God, come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray humbly that you please forgive my sins. Please, O Lord, always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. We know that we only depend on those, Lord God. We depend on your love. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you please help us to understand that we need to obey you. We need to follow you. We need to do as you tell us to do, Lord God. Help us to be sensitive to your will and to your ways, Lord God. And above all, Heavenly Father, help us to be able to have a heart that is obedient to you. Blessed be your name now and always and forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's passage can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 to 23. This is the word of the Lord. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. 
and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed, he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on round, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I've obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone in the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. If we read just before this passage, we would read that Saul had enjoyed God's blessings and support in all military campaigns. There was no army that could challenge him, thereby giving Israel stability and power as a nation. Yet this passage was not the first time that Saul had issues with the Lord. Despite having some problems in the past and still not yet submitting entirely to the Lord because you could see in many places that he referred to God when talking to Samuel as your God and not my God. The Lord was still willing to establish him as king. The Lord was giving Saul great opportunities. But despite that, Saul disobeyed the Lord. God did ask him to do something difficult, and of course, for many reasons, because God had a purpose with the extinction of the Amalekites, but also to test his obedience. What was ironic was that Saul and the people of Israel had already done the difficult part, in my opinion, but didn't finish the task. Saul didn't kill the Amalekite king, nor do away with all livestock like he was specifically told to do so. Nothing was supposed to be left. Now I know that probably most of you are cringing at the idea that God directed for a complete extinction, but we need to understand that God is sovereign and that he must have good reasons for requiring this all to be done, which would bring us to our first point. If we believe that the Lord is God and that he is all-knowing and holy, then he must have had good reasons for this commandment. If there is something we cannot do is question God from the standpoint of putting in judgment the why he does certain things and or commands certain things. There are things that may make sense to us, but there will always be things that do not make sense to us, not because they are bad or unfair, but rather because of our sinfulness. Even when we have come to Christ 
and live totally submitted lives, we may still have an issue understanding the why God asked for certain things and will not be able to see the entire picture, if you will, like he can. We just do not have his vantage point on things because we lack the ability and condition. Our human aspects, our flesh, will not allow us to see and understand things completely from his point of view. And so we should just rely on faith and that he knows what he's doing and that he has very good reason for everything, even though we may not understand it and or even like it ourselves at the moment. Because let's be honest, we may not like everything God tells us to do or not do. To understand this notion of trust, I'm reminded of a situation I had with my mother many years ago in our home in Florida. I remember that we were having breakfast in the kitchen where we have a small table and a sliding glass door right next to it. I remember that as we were talking about something, I saw out of the corner of my eye something move outside, something unusual. A few moments went by and I realized that what I saw was a poisonous snake. My mother had her back to what was happening. And so I told her quietly not to look behind her and for two reasons, because she's absolutely terrified of snakes and two, because if she got into a panic, she could disturb it. I didn't want it to go away because I needed to kill it. I couldn't let it just wander around because it could bite someone. I didn't have much time, so I just whispered to her, don't look back and just stay quiet while I go take care of something. Trust me. Even though she didn't understand what was going on, she trusted me the little I was telling her to do and went along with it. Because of that, she avoided having what could have been a terrible panic attack, and I was able to kill the snake, which turned out to be poisonous, and get rid of the potential danger. Her trust helped deal with the problematic situation. Now, how much does God know? God knows everything. We need to remember that God even knows our thoughts and our innermost feelings down deep inside. Is God smart or wise? Of course, there's no one more able than him. He created and made everything that exists and everything consists and subsists because of his say-so. Is God good? Of course, he is more than good. He is holy, which means that there is no imperfection in him. He is perfect. There is no sin in him. So his intentions are always for the greater good. And he is always looking at the bigger and greater scheme of things. He is not short-sighted like we are. He is profound in all of his thoughts. He is definitely not like us. For it is written, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And so this should allow us to have an unlimited trust and faith in him because God is infinite as a characteristic of his divinity. So Saul had no excuse to not be able to trust in the Lord and to just take his word for things, to just do as he told him to do, no matter what. And the rationale for this was because who and what he is capable of and his limitations and the limitations of everything and everyone around him. Likewise, for us, we have the same limitations. And if we believe in who God is, then we also have no excuse. So what happened with Saul? Why did Saul disobey the Lord? And unfortunately, why do most people disobey the Lord? The answer lies many times in that people fear other things or other people more and trust God less. This is what the Bible tells us about Saul's rationale for disobeying. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So we read that Saul feared more the people and chose rather to obey them 
than the God that created and made him, the God that had given him so many victories in the past, the God that was intending to establish his own kingdom over Israel. When Saul chose to do that, and when people make that same decision, it's insulting at best to God. When a person chooses to disobey God and fear more people, they're ultimately trusting more people. They are saying with their actions, I trust people more than God. And this is what the word of God says about that. In Jeremiah chapter 17, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. If a person's common sense is functioning properly, it can be their greatest ally. We have already established God's credentials, if you will. There is none greater, nor more powerful, nor anyone more good, nor anyone more perfect, and there is no one that knows more than him. So does it not make sense to put our complete trust and reliance on someone like that than on other people who are none of those things? We may have good intentions, but we are very limited in nature. And of course, what can we or anyone do for our eternal future on our own? Nothing. We can't save ourselves. That is all dependent on what we choose to do with the Lord, whether we choose to put our complete faith and trust in Him and submit to His will or not. You see, when we do not obey the Lord, two main things happen. One, we are insulting and dismissing the God of the universe. And two, we are doing away with our best option. Either way, we are only hurting ourselves and quite possibly hurting others because nothing happens in a vacuum. This world is a collection of consequences resulting from our own actions, right or wrong actions, and the actions of people in the past and the people in the present, ultimately the results of sin in our lives and in the lives of all that surround us. This is why this place is so difficult at this very moment. Sin corrupts and destroys everything in one way or another. If we want the best possibilities for our lives here and now, and more importantly, in the eternal future, we need to take our lead, our direction from the Lord. We need to put all our faith and trust in Him. He needs to be in first place in our lives. We need to obey Him. In the end, when people disobey the Lord, they are not damaging God, they're only damaging themselves. God doesn't need us or need anything from us to be God and to exist as the being He is. The Lord does not need us, we need Him. We need His help now and always. We only hurt ourselves and everything and everyone else around us when we disobey the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ had this to say when it came to priority, and he explained why we have divisions. In Matthew chapter 10, it says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother, more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Does God truly want division? Of course not. 
But sin is what causes this issue of division and what makes everything so difficult in this world to do what is right, to follow the Lord. When people obey sin, they are setting themselves against the Lord. That's the reality that occurs. When a person follows and obeys their sin, they are ultimately following something and submitting to something that only brings about death and destruction as a consequence. And of course, God is not going to give in to anything like that. That's what people want now more than ever. They may not be literally saying these words to God, but this is what they illustrate in action. If you don't do as I say and support me in what I want to do, then I'm not going to believe in you. I'm going to do away with you. That's what people are telling the Lord with their actions when they want for God to serve them and to submit to them and to their evil desires. Most people want for the God of the universe to adjust to them and for him to do their bidding. But praise be to the Lord forever and always that he does not give in to foolish and destructive demands and that he retains his position. For in doing so, he would only be supporting and fostering our own destruction, but rather he is maintaining our eternal hope and reward intact. If God were to change and give in to sin, then there would be no hope for anything in the universe. It would all fall apart and be destroyed inevitably. And so for our own good, we cannot give in to other people or fear or even to our own sinful desires and lusts. This is what the Lord gives us when we surrender to him and obey to him. As it is written, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have everything we need through the Holy Spirit he gives us when we obey him, when we do as he tells us, starting with complete repentance and conversion from all sins and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. These are the things that need to happen so that we can have his spirit dwell within us. And this is ultimately the counsel that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us for our own good. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now, who is the him he is talking about? God the Father. It is a very healthy thing for us to at least fear God because of the reality that everything rests on God and on his say-so, and not just what happens here and now alone, but more importantly, what happens with us in the future, in the judgment. He is the one that decides our eternity based on what he sees, what we have done, whether we have done his will or not. It is of extreme importance and for our own benefit to fear, love, and as a result, obey the Lord to do as he says for our own good and for the good of others that surround us. This is the bottom line. If you want God's blessing and favor, obey him. Do as he says. If you don't obey the Lord, you're only bringing about your own self-destruction and eternal perdition. Your choice, your decision. Choose wisely. If there is something that needs to be understood is this, that when a person chooses to reject God and to reject his counsel through his word, through his instruction, they're only causing harm to themselves and to everyone their life comes in contact with, depending on what the issue is. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Nothing good comes from sin. We all die physically and spiritually, if not dealt with through the Lord Jesus Christ because of sin. 
Sin destroys and kills everything it involves in one way or another, or worse, eternally, if a person doesn't come to God for help. Sin is a real problem. It's a real thing. If you doubt the existence of sin, just look all around you. If people get sick, it's because of sin. It may not be a consequence of their own sin, but it's surely a consequence because of sin being in the environment. If there are wars, it's because of sin. If there are broken families and relationships, it's because of sin. If we have food problems, decay, decadence, and so on, it's all a product of sin. God made everything good at the beginning, and when sin was introduced into the world because of man's disobedience, everything got corrupted. Sin is not a game. It was bad before, and it's bad today, and it will always be bad. Here is something else that everyone needs to understand also. Our opinions do not and cannot change reality. God doesn't say that something is bad just because or because he is trying to be a killjoy. When God says something is sin, it's because he is stating a fact, a reality. He is saying, this is sin, so you should stay away from it. Just because a person chooses to like something or justify something does not mean that the natural consequence of whatever it is changes. The consequences of sin cannot be legislated. Our human laws have no bearing and or influence on reality. Just because something is legal to us does not take away the natural and spiritual consequences of an action. If a person kills another and they are acquitted somehow in a court of law here does not mean that God is or can look the other way. And let's suppose for a moment that God did look the other way, so to speak. The consequence will still be there. If that person does not deal with sin through Jesus Christ, that person will die eternally for their sins. It's all consequential, and our opinions cannot change reality. It is what it is. So when a person chooses to reject God and his guidance or counsel, they're rejecting certain truths and realities that will impact them and not for good. God will be God no matter what we choose to do or not do. God and his kingdom are immovable. Not even Satan himself can do anything against God and what he has established. So it is in our best interest to listen to the Lord, to obey the Lord, to do as he tells us to do, so that we can avoid the consequences of sin, especially in the near future, when each of us do find ourselves standing judgment before the holy and almighty God of the universe. And God will not look the other way. His judgment will be just and righteous. Our only escape from eternal perdition is doing his will starting by complete repentance and conversion from all sin and making Jesus Christ the effective and literal Lord of our lives. There is no other way. Doing the Father's will is our only salvation for eternity. And so I would urge you to cling on to his truth so that you too can find eternal life through the only one that is the truth, the way and the life, the only way to God the Father. It's your choice. Choose wisely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us, O Lord, to understand through and through that when we sin and when we rebel against you, that we are only hurting ourselves. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, please have mercy on us. Please forgive us, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, Heavenly Father, please help us to be conscious of the things that we do wrong. And help us, O Lord, to have repentful and converted hearts, to turn to you with all of our heart, Lord God, and to seek to obey you. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you. To you be all the honor and the glory forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together.
And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.